fire fall down, that the Holy Spirit just erupt in this place. Amen. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Let us pray together the collect. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever. Amen. Well, Lord, we just pray for these children that they would be blessed and find themselves in your presence, ever learning the wonderful and mighty things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, kids, go have fun. Our first reading this morning is taken from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, commencing at verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the song. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 93. Let us read responsibly by the half verse. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord is clothed. He has girded himself with strength. Surely the world is established so that it cannot be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are the The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters. Your testimonies are very sure. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning.
Our second lesson comes from Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels spirits and ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. St. John chapter 18 beginning in verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so they should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise You may be seated. <clears throat> Let's open with a word of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to speak on the words that you've given us to speak on your kingship, Lord, and to, ex to expose the truth of how you have established your kingdom on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I guess I'm on a bit of a movie kick lately. I'm going to be opening by talking about a movie again. Um, this one a little bit different. Uh, I was trying to think, how do we talk about Christ the King Sunday? Because it's, as we were joking before the service, it's the most ordinary day of the Christian year. Because as we all know, if Christ is king, he's king all the time. And so we might as well do 
uh, worship him as Lord every Sunday. But today in particular is the most ordinary of that extraordinary reality, right? So we are going to talk through some of the implications of what it might mean for Jesus to be king. And I'm going to start by talking about some of our readings. But the example I came up with in my head as I was thinking about this has to do with uh, some of my favorite movies. Some of my favorite movies, when it's done well, and it can be done very poorly, are when there's a big twist in the end that makes you rethink the entire movie. There's some really bad examples of this where they try and kind of shoehorn in this explanation for everything that came before, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But the classic example of how this was actually done very well, although, of course, in hindsight, people like to make fun of it, is The Sixth Sense, right? Now, I'm warning you, this 22-year-old movie is going to be spoiled this morning. I'm going to tell you real quick what the big reveal is in this movie. Because in this movie, you have uh, this kid talking to this child psychologist who's played by Bruce Willis. And in the end, Bruce Willis's character, you find out, has been dead the entire time. So he's been talking to a ghost. Now, granted, this kid's psychology problem was that he could talk to dead people. So uh, it was kind of foreshadowed, let's say, um, throughout the entire movie. Uh, There's actually some really funny videos who kind of break down how they played that. But what I want you to think about is not the sixth sense talking to dead people. That's not what we're talking about this morning. You can all take a deep sigh of relief because that would be an interesting, uh, difficult topic. I'm talking about something a little different. What I'm talking about is the fact that I think we're in a movie and we've been let in on the big plot twist. And most people are going about their lives living in this grand story of the world and they don't know the plot twist. And the plot twist is that a Middle Eastern Jew from the first century A.D., 33 years old, crucified by the Romans, is actually the king of everything that exists. Now, you talk to a few people on the street, and they're going to think you're a little loco. They're going to think that you are off your noggin. But, and there's lots of evidences that we're not going to get into this morning. There's lots of reasons for our faith. What we happen to know when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior is you acknowledge that that is true. That that is actually the world we live in. No matter how it looks, the plot twist is everything can be interpreted From the lens of, actually, the whole time, in the good and the bad, Jesus is king. That every situation and circumstance that we confront, we can actually confront from the perspective of, this is happening in the world that Jesus is running. In the kingdom of God. Now, like I said, lots of people don't live that way. They don't realize that. And I think it leads to a lot of difficulties in their life. Because if it is true that Jesus is really the king of the universe, and you live your whole life ignoring him, then you're missing out on something. For Luckily for you, if you get to be involved in that, what you're missing out on is good. And Jesus isn't looking around for the people who aren't acknowledging him so that he can strike them with lightning. He's actually asking them to come be a part of his kingdom so that they can enjoy the benefits that come with being a part of the king's family. That's how we talk about it in Scripture. You're actually adopted into the royal family of God. And in every part of your life, he wants to change it so that you begin to live like a royal. And not just like 
the royals we see on earth, but actually like the royal we saw in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like and how he showed us what that meant. But I wanted to start by talking about the fact that we're actually coming to the close of the Christian year. You've heard of Chinese New Year, I'm sure, um, where they celebrate their New Year's on a different calendar and they have these great symbols for what the next year will bring, so on and so forth. Well, we have the same thing in the Christian year, a way of framing our understanding of how the world works. Because not that we don't acknowledge, you know, every one of us signs our check based on a calendar that doesn't have to do with the Christian liturgical calendar, right? We, don't, we live in the world. That's fine. We have no problem with that calendar. But we also know the plot twist that actually everything is organized around this one guy, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And when you look at the liturgical year, that's how it's organized. Next week we start Advent, where we celebrate the anticipation of Jesus' coming in Christmas and the anticipation of him making everything in the world good in the end times, right? We know that in the end All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well, because our King Jesus is good, and he wants to renew the earth and restore humanity and make everything beautiful. It says beautifully in Revelations, it's the world in which every tear is wiped away, and everything is made new. So that's what we're starting next week. We're starting to anticipate not only that Jesus came and was born to Uh, in a manger as we celebrate, as we look forward to Christmas, but also that he will come again and he will bring the fulfillment of all the promises that we've been given in our life. But as we come to the end of the year, why do we celebrate Christ the King today? Because we're celebrating that he is already in charge. Ordinary times comes after Easter and Pentecost and We celebrate for the longest season of the year. What do we celebrate every Sunday? We celebrate that actually the kingdom of God is here right now. And that we get to participate in it. It really is countercultural. It's something that our... If you, I worked in the restaurant industry, and if I tried to convince the 50 people that were working on any given shift of this truth, I guarantee you there'd be some who'd say, yeah, good for you, amen. But I promise you that most of the people would think I was nuts. And they mostly did, because I did like to talk about Jesus sometimes. <laughs> they really did. But they, over time, we developed a good relationship. We had some good conversations. But I know you guys know that that doesn't seem to be the way that the world is operating. They don't seem to be operating under the rule of Jesus. And so when we were reading the Psalms, it just jumped out at me this morning. In Psalm 93, verse 3, it starts, The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. And then the first half of verse 5 says, Your testimonies are very sure. Which seems a little bit like a disconnect. And as I was thinking about the floods, you know, I'm thinking about like travesties happening. But what does he talk about? He says, the Lord is mightier than the noise of many waters. And that gave me a clue to think about this a little differently. Everyone in the world right now, all the companies, all, everybody who has power is competing to get their message across. 
And if you just look at it metaphorically, it sounds like there's a bunch of competing floods and waves and crashing, and it just can be overwhelming. We all understand uh, when Netflix put out a, a documentary about social media and how they're trying to feed you all this information, it resonated with people because we all know that we can't get away from it. News articles, stories out of Hollywood and TV and movies, athletes wearing slogans on their uniforms, the government mandating compliance to their rules and preaching their gospel. And that doesn't even talk about the $250 billion a year spent on advertising. All of that is to get your attention. All of that is to take your time your energy, your money, and your attention. It's like the noise of many waters competing to get you to believe what they want you to believe. We participate in it. We have our own little, our Instagrams, or if you're too cool for social media, then props to you. But I have my own little Instagram or Facebook where I want to tell people what I think is valuable, what I think is good. Here, listen to me talk. We're in a world that's like a cacophony of many waters. But the plot twist today is actually the Lord is mightier than the noise of many waters. He's mightier than the waves of the sea. That actually the voice of the Lord is what directs our focus, especially as Christians. But I would say actually the voice of the Lord is what's directing the course of history, leading it to the good things that he's promised for us. Ephesians actually tell us exactly what it means for the floods to be lifting up their voices and competing for our attention. In Ephesians uh, 4, verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by, human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. That sounds like the, the landscape that we're competing in. Every wind and wave of doctrine. What's doctrine? It's just ideas, truths, beliefs. Everybody is competing through human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes to try and get you to believe their way. But what we are called to be is actually anchored so that we don't get tossed to and fro. To actually grow up and be able to discern in the midst of the noise, what is God trying to speak to us? Because I can tell you there's really only one path to joy and righteousness and peace and it's following the way of the lord there's actually people who don't even know jesus's name don't even know the gospel who are following the way of the lord because they're finding at least the joy and life and peace and he's calling them to himself but you know what on the other hand there's many people who are dying because they believe money will make them happy or drugs, or alcohol, or sex, or whatever their thing is, or social media, or, or TV, that these things are the valuable things in life. And because they don't know what the true value is, it's actually leading them to despair, to anxiety, and depression at rates that we have never seen in the modern era, especially among children. Especially among children. If you look at the psychological data, it is bleak out there. More reports of anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, alcoholism, drug addiction than we've ever been able to collect before in the modern era, I should say. 
Because none of the things that all those voices are trying to get our attention for, none of them satisfy. Did you know that the Nike ad that's trying to get you to buy the newest shoes isn't going to make your life that much better? Did you know that if you put all of your eggs in the basket of consumerism, you will be broke? You will be broke. You will be depressed. There's just nothing there there. Now, we love good things. We really do. And and God made the world to be full of good things for the humans that live on it. But when you replace God with the good things he wants you to have, you're in trouble. And people are doing this without even knowing because that's what they're told day in and day out. Speaking of Hollywood as a voice competing for our attention, I think it might be the most compelling voice competing for our attention, but that's a whole other rabbit trail. I talked at the men's retreat about this movie, Free Guy, which was great. And I gave a really fun, in my mind, compelling message about why we love the movie Free Guy. But let me tell you, at the very end, they say something that's completely countered everything we believe. They, didn't, they missed it at the end. Because when the hero has won the day and all of his fellow people are in their paradise and they're going about his buddy who he thought was dead is alive, he goes up and he says, okay, what do we do now? And he has this big moment. He goes, whatever we want. And it's like, go, that's it? You just do whatever you want to do? That's not enough. That's not what we're called to. It's not even how we live our life. I'm really sorry, sorry, Tyler, but I'm going to use you as an example. I hope you're okay with it. My brother-in-law, Tyler, is visiting with us, and he's a chiropractor. So what does he do? He helps people heal their bodies. Is that whatever he wants to do? No, he had to submit himself to the discipline of years of schooling and practice and licensing, and it was almost as bad as it gets as far as how much work you have to do. He carried that load so that he could go out into the world and help people heal and bring health to their bodies. That is a much better message than just do whatever you want. It's a much better message, and it's way more fulfilling. I'm sure there are days where Tyler wakes up and is like, I could just hang out and play with my puppies all day and do my own thing. And sometimes it might be the right thing to do. But when he has patients on the line, no, he goes into work and he helps people heal. That is a much more compelling message. In fact, that's a lot more like Jesus than this other message. What do we do to fight the lies that are thrown at us, that are trying to convince us that all that matters is making yourself happy? All that matters is that you get this shiny new thing. All that matters is that somebody likes your video or your post on Instagram. How do we know the truth? The Lord on high is mightier than the noise of those many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. And his testimonies are very sure. So it felt a little disconnected when I read it at first. It's like he's talking about these floods and then the Lord is mightier. And then it says, your testimonies are very sure. How does that connect? Well, what's a testimony? It's the story, the truth, the evidence that God gives for the reality of the world. That is what's going to fight against the many noise of the sea. So where is God's testimony? Well, it's throughout the whole Bible where he's constantly reaching out to humanity, trying to restore right relationship between himself and humans and humans and each other. But more specifically, we see it in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Christ the King, the person who is our organizing, the author and, and finisher of our faith. So we're going to jump in to John 18, verse 37 from our gospel today. Now, let me give you a, a quick setting. Jesus, who has been walking around miraculously healing people and preaching the good news that the kingdom of God is here, preaching forgiveness, preaching love, preaching that people should actually not only forgive and love one another, but they should take up their own cross and follow him in laying down their lives for one another, preaching good news. Well, there were some people who didn't like it. Because you know what? We're not born into a neutral world where everybody just gets to pick to go their own way. There's actually a war going on. There's a war between the evil spirits and God. There's a war for your affections, your attention. And the people who didn't like Jesus' message were influenced by their own evil in their own heart to call for his execution. And so the same people that Jesus came to save offered him up to the Roman government and said, we want you to crucify this guy because he's setting himself up as a king as opposed to Caesar. So that's the context. And then Pilate, the Roman governor, is like, I don't see any evidence that this guy's doing anything wrong. And so he's looking for an opportunity to let Jesus off the hook before he crucifies him. And so he's asking him, like, are you really a king? Are you really setting yourself up as a king? Because then I do have to kill you. And this is Jesus' answer as he clarifies. Pilate asked him, because he didn't really understand what Jesus said before, are you a king? Like, just give me a plain answer. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone belongs to the truth, listens to my voice. So there's the key. What does it mean that Christ Jesus is king? It's that he is testifying to the truth of the entire world. The way that God made it, the way he intended it to be. That word testimony, you know, God's testimonies are very sure, and the word testify are literally the same word, just in different contexts, right? The testify, the thing that Jesus does by testifying to the truth, I'm breaking down into three sections today, because we don't have time to go through the entire life of Jesus, believe it or not. This is for your guys' sake. We're going to break it down, and we're going to summarize. First of all, Jesus testified, the overarching thing that he testified to was love. But not hippy-dippy love, as I talk about it. Not the, the frilly emotion of love or the um, fragile, feeble flattery that we give to people. Not that type of stuff. Not the feeling, oh, you're so great, I love you so much. But actually the action of laying down your life for one another. In everything he did, he was serving the people that he came to see. And this is... God of the universe, you know, the guy who's literally there at the creation of the world, becomes man, and what does he spend his time doing? Does he walk around saying, hey, bow down to me, hey, bow down to me, hey, look, look at me, I created the world, I created everything that is. No, he walked around and washed people's feet and touched lepers who were considered unclean and healed them and fed the hungry. And when he had an opportunity, the one time he has this opportunity to show forth his righteousness. One of the most powerful stories in scriptures, you've got these guys who have found this woman in the act of committing adultery. 
And they bring her before him and say, we found this girl sleeping with somebody who wasn't her husband, and you need to kill her according to our law. What should we do with her? And he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So everybody leaves. And he has his opportunity because Jesus is without sin. He's righteous. And he has his opportunity to be the righteous judge and say, you're right. You deserve death for what you did. And he says, nobody's condemned you. Neither do I condemn you. I just, the, the news is better than we give it credit for. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save it, to renew it. And so what does Jesus testify to? He testifies to true love. Now, let me exposit just a little more. He testifies to at least two different types of love. One of them, love of God, and the other one, love of man. Right? When they asked him, okay, summarize all these laws. We've got all these rules for how to live according to God's will. Break them down for us. He said, there's two that you've got to pay attention to. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you just do that, you'll have accomplished the spirit of the law. But you know what? We're not very good at it. <laughs> We're not very good at it. I know every day I have an opportunity to react in love towards one of my neighbors or to react in anger. Every day I have an opportunity to love God or to love myself. And without getting too complicated, by loving myself, I mean choosing things that are contrary to the love that God has for us. Because I do think you can love yourself. Do you know why? Because Jesus paid the price that you could be called the son of God. So any insecurity, that's not what Jesus is into. Jesus is actually into you being living as the full son and daughter of God, of the king of the whole world. Let me wrap up with this idea. If Jesus' testimony is to love, and that's our starting point, to love God and to love man, then how do you sort through the mess that's going on in the world? How do you sort through this person saying, if you love man, you'll vote for this. If you love God, then you'll do that. If you're a good person, then you'll post a status that says this on your Facebook page. How do you sort through it all? It's actually easier than we think. You have to stop the momentum of your life and listen to what God wants to teach you. It really doesn't work with a step-by-step process. I can't just hand you a pamphlet and say, here you go. Follow these rules and you'll be okay. You actually have to walk it out in relationship with God. That's part of what we do on Sunday mornings. We're shaped by the scriptures. We're shaped by our worship. We're shaped by the word that's spoken. We're transformed in the Eucharist. All the things that we're looking to do here is to be more like that guy who ends up on a cross for the sake of the whole world. So what's your step then as you go out from today, as you think about Christ the King? Well, I challenge you to look at the world and say, okay, if I was in a movie where the plot twist was that everything, everything in the world was actually going to be transformed 
and be made good by Jesus Christ. And that really, he's in charge even now, even in the midst of the most difficult circumstance of my life. What would that mean for my day to day? How would I live if that was true, if that was the reality? And maybe ask God to tell you. Because part of loving someone is talking to them. Sometimes I forget. It's like, but I'm living for God. I'm doing all the good things. Yeah, when was the last time you sat down and told him what was on your heart and asked for him to speak to you? I promise you he'll do it. Might not look the way that somebody asked me, how do you hear God? And I was trying to explain it. And they were like, that is the most complicated thing I've ever heard. And I was like, I, it's not so much that he sits down and writes on my book for me and says, hey, Jesse, read this message. He doesn't say it audibly to me, but he leads me. He guides me. He guides me through my wife, through my friends and family, through the things that he leads me through. And if you just pay attention, open your eyes, ask him to speak to you. Realize that the world is his and that everything we're fighting, he's already won. Then I think we can operate out of that righteousness, peace, and joy that he promises us. He said, my kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. I want, I want that. I want more peace and joy and righteousness in my life. So as we close out, let me just say a couple things. In the end, there are only two types of people. This is my last thing. Those who say to Jesus, thy will be done, and embrace the way of sacrificial love, and those to whom Jesus says, thy will be done. And they live the rest of their life thinking only about what's good for themselves and not for others. I want to be the guy who tells Jesus, I want to do your will. That's what it means for Christ to be king in our life, that we actually want to follow his will. And it's way better than any alternative that I've ever seen or heard of. Amen? Please stand. Brothers and sisters, since God has loved us and washed us from our sins, let us bring our needs and those of the whole world to him with confidence. That the church throughout the world will boldly proclaim Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, in your mercy... That the whole church will be a reflection of God's heavenly kingdom on earth. Lord, in your mercy. That God, the shepherd of all, will gather into unity those separated by Christian religious differences. Lord, in your mercy. That all nations will honor Christ as king, the Lord and giver of life, and abolish the practices of abortion and euthanasia. Lord, in your mercy. That estranged husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, parents and children will humble themselves and be recognized, one, reconciled one to another, just as God, who was in Christ Jesus, reconciled the world unto himself. Lord, in your mercy, that the next generation will raise up men and women committed to the service of the Lord and his church. Lord, in your mercy, that we, as servants of the living God, will help meet the needs of those who are hurting in body, soul, or spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of all creation, you raised up Jesus and put all things under his feet. Hear our prayer. 
and give us the grace to be ready for the day when he returns in glory. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. with you. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> the Lord be with you. I got uh, way too many announcements this morning, so uh, I'm hoping that they'll show them on the screens up here. You can capture the dates of things that are happening right now. Uh, mission offering we take up in November is ongoing. You can still put that. I think you write missions on your offering or you can do it online. This Wednesday, Annually, every year, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, the men gather here. We'll be coming together at 7 o'clock to uh, talk the things of the year upcoming and other things like that, church business. So encourage all men to be here Wednesday night. And uh, we got, we got you know, our men's meetings and women's meetings that we've been having uh, from time to time. The women are coming together meeting on the 11th of December and the men on the 18th. Man, we'll be doing work again, which we love to do. So uh, be there on the 19th. And, boy, there's Christmas caroling. 19th. Uh, first is potluck. Potluck is on the 5th. Caroling is on the 19th. Get the details. Find out. Potluck. We want to celebrate uh, Ron. Is, where is he? Is he over here? He's not here today. He's working today. So it's a secret. <laughs> he's he's retiring and uh, looking to move and be closer to family, and he's been such an important part of our life here at St. Michael's. We want to uh, embarrass him with all of the means that we have available. <laughs> I think that's right, right? Yeah, okay, okay, that's good. Like I said, way too many. Capture the dates, write them down, be ready. Amen. Hey, I see a lot of guests here from... Out of town, old friends. Ellie ran off. I don't see her anymore. I see Michael back there. Hi, Michael. Taylor, Tyler. Tyler and his wife, Emily. Emily. us you once more. Glad you're here. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
amazing today. <laughs> you took us right where we wanted to go. We love you. Well, we welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the Lord's table, and he's inviting you. So you come to the table today. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. For you anointed your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as eternal priest and King of all creation, so that by offering himself on the altar of the cross as a spotless sacrifice, he might accomplish the mysteries of human redemption. And making all created things subject to his rule, he might present to you, God and Father, an eternal and universal kingdom, a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. So with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. We join in our ending hymn of praise. your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread and broke and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup again. He gave thanks and praise. He gave it to the disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. <coughs> Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. 
Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. And especially remember those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus, Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them from remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. By the Christ.
glory in every one of you. <laughs> and uh, I can't say I always did. Not that you didn't always have it, but but I'm so thankful for that. You know, I'm, I'm so thankful for messages like Jesse gave us with a, a little depth and, and a, 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 a little encouragement to search him out. And uh, what you find out is it kind of rolls over into everybody. And uh, Jesus is you, and you have him inside you. And so I want to get to know him more than I guess I need to get to know you more. Amen? Enough rambling. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you. Gladness and sickness of heart. Christ our Lord. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin of our souls. As you go from this place, remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. God loves us. He's not mad at us. He's forgiven us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain there always. Amen.